Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Okay. Today we're going to talk about declaring war on pride. Declaring war on pride. Um, Cleveland and Alan both were supposed to finish up lamentations between today and next week. And um, Cleve had an obligation that he forgot about. And then Alan also is out of state. So I was not expected to be in the pulpit until the end of August. But thank God for always being ready. Um, declaring war on pride. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time as we look into your word to find out what your word says about pride, what your word says about humility. We thank you. We praise you. We glorify you for the word that is sown into our hearts, that it will reap, uh, that we will reap um, a hundredfold return on the word that is sown into our lives today. Father, I thank you that our hearts are good ground as we understand pride, as we understand um, humility, I thank you that we'll be people of humility and that we'll be clothed with pride and, we'll, and that we'll recognize pride in ourselves and we'll declare war on it in the name of Jesus. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will grant unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe? We are believers today, Father, and we thank you, Father, what an opportunity it is. And Father, give me, grant unto me your son and your slave, supernatural, divine utterance, and I may boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. I thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. I thank you that Jesus is exalted in this service, and thank you that the Holy Spirit is in a full manifestation. He'll do whatever he desires in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Declaring war on pride. Humility is important to God's kingdom. When you think about it, I got a couple questions to ask you. Are you humble in your thinking? Are you willing to hear others? Are you humble in your actions? Humility is an attitude. It is a posture. When we think about humility, we, we, we should think about an attitude. Your attitude positions you with God. I don't know if you know that. But your attitude positions you with God. If you have the wrong attitude, um, it will, there, there's consequences. How I many know you should not have any kind of attitude towards the things of God? The one thing I understand, and I posted this early on uh, on Facebook earlier on this week, is that um, spiritual things never grow old. They never grow old. They, they, even if you've heard this a million times, you still can grow in those things. Humility is a way of life. We should pray for the grace of humility. God, give me the grace. Now, you, you shouldn't pray, Lord, humble me, right? Because the Bible tells us that we are to humble ourselves. But we can pray for the grace of humility. It's, a, it's amazing how God can give you grace to humble yourself, and that same grace will lift you up. That same grace will exalt you. And so pray for the, the grace of humility. Um, Christ is the greatest example of a man who, who was humble. Moses, the Bible says, Moses was the, the meekest man on the earth at that time. 
And Moses, he wrote that. So here's the meekest man in all the earth writing about himself, saying that he was the meekest man on the earth. So that kind of shows us that God's perspective is not ours, that we are to think high. We're to think of ourselves in some type of level, but not more highly than we are. And I think I think we can go to either extreme. Either we can become really haughty or a prideful or we can become really um, full of low self-esteem and and downgrading ourselves, dumbing ourselves. How many know that God doesn't want you to dumb yourself down and he doesn't want you to exalt yourself? He wants you to realize who you are and walk in who you are. You, if you have a certain um, skill set, this is what you have. It's not, there's no, God doesn't get glory because you don't, God doesn't get glory out of your life if you're not operating in the grace that you have and what, you, what God has given you. To say that I'm a pastor is not a prideful thing, right? I am a pastor. God has graced me to be a pastor. God has graced me to be a teacher. God has graced me to prophesy. That, that's not prideful. That's understanding what God has given me. So, so there, is a, there is a balance. You don't want to think more highly of yourself to say, I'm apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. I operate in all nine gifts of the spirit. And I flow like there is no other. That's pride. That's more than I am. I'm portraying. And then you don't want to say, I'm just a worm. I'm a nobody. No, I am a somebody. When Jesus saved me, I became a somebody. As Marvin Sepp says, he saw the best in me. Anthony Brown talks about I, I was worth saving. He thought I was worth saving. So I am valuable. And the scripture tells us that how precious is the death of one of one of the Lord's saints. So when I die and I'm going to die one day, you do understand that you're going to die one day. Um, you understand that God values your death. How precious is the death of one of his saints. And so don't don't look at yourself less than what God has already made you. That is not humility to think of yourself less than than what you are. So Christ is the greatest example of humility. He humbled himself and became a man and served God and humanity. Often we hear people pray, Lord, make me more like Christ. How many prayed that this week? If you, if you prayed that this week, raise your hand. Lord, make me more like Jesus. Raise your hand. Don't be humble. Try to be all humble. That's prideful. If you prayed it, you prayed it. If you didn't pray it, you didn't pray it. So many times people pray to be more like Christ, but yet they refuse to receive his humility. Um, a lot of times they, they focus on the, 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 the use of God in his life. They want to see the power of God that Christ saw, but yet they, didn't, they deny or refuse to embrace his humility. In the past, I've shared about humility um, quite some time, and, and we may go over some of those same scriptures, but I want you to look at it at a different angle this morning. I want you to see it at a, in a different light. Humility should be the mark of our church. When people come and visit us and people join us, they should sense humility, that we're not a, a haughty group of people or prideful. Um, if, we, if we can humble ourselves in the sight of God, then God will exalt us. 
He will exalt us according to his will. Humility is a major key in making contact with our Heavenly Father. It's a major key. You can, how many know you can't even get saved if you're not humble? You have to humble yourself. And the same thing with healing. You can't be prideful when you come looking to be healed and say, okay, Lord, I know you're going to do this. Or I, 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 I mean, it's one thing to know the word, but to come in a prideful way, way of demanding something of God. How many know we're not to demand anything from God? We're to demand something of the devil and the mountains, but we're not to demand anything of our heavenly father. <clears throat> in order to have a vibrant fellowship with the triune God, we must learn humility. Humility is a major key in making contact with God. In order to make contact with God, you got to humble yourself. Andrew Murray, who was a writer back in the day, he, he has a little small book called Humility, which if you, I think you can get it if um, the ebook for like maybe two, two or three dollars if you're into reading ebooks. Just called humility. He says this. He says, Christianity, the Christian, excuse me, Christian life has suffered loss because believers have not been distinctively guided to see that nothing is more natural and beautiful and blessed than to be nothing so that God may be all. It has not been made clear that it is not sin that humbles us most, but grace. But grace, let me read that latter part. I'll read the whole thing again. Christian life has suffered loss because believers have not been distinctively guided to see that nothing is more natural and beautiful and blessed than to be nothing so that God may be all. It has not been made clear that it is not sin that humbles us most, but grace. But grace. How I many know that the grace of God will humble you? It will it is a display of his power. Many believers are prideful and are merely going through the ritual. You can think you're seeking God so much you end up missing him. Some have the form of a of a relationship or fellowship with God. They appear to be a person who walks with God. They're saying the right things, but yet they are not. They're very far from him. Humility is not something that we bring that we is, humility is not something which we bring to God or he bestows. It's simply the sense of of entire of nothingness, which comes when we see how truly God is all and in which we make way for God to be all. There is a something to be said for the for the clay to be nothing so that the potter can be everything. So my display of what I am is not so much my boast of who I am, but whose I am. When I am nothing, he becomes all. I consider myself to be crucified with Christ. And it goes on and says, nevertheless, not I live, but Christ lives in me. So all of us will forever have to deal with pride. If you hear and you say, I don't I, that's not my issue. You are a liar. And the truth is not in you, as first John says. We pride is something that you're always going to have to deal with. It's part of our fleshly nature. 
is part of, of what we, we, we are. We are very prideful being. Pride is something that we have to declare war on every single day. It's something that you have to work at. It's not something that is going to automatically be in your life, but you have to target pride. We must learn to identify what it is and be able to resist pride, to resist pride. Sometimes when people come and they hear the word or I'm out preaching somewhere else, there is a prideness about them when they're listening to the word. They're like, I already know this. I know what you're going to say. I've been there, done that. And there is arrogance. How many know it doesn't matter if, if I if you preach the same message, you hear the same message over and over, you can get something out of it. Just like we're reading the scriptures and you, as you're reading through the scriptures, you're seeing things that you never saw before. Even looking at a movie, you can look at the same movie five years from now and get something totally different. Like I missed that. And so let's not be prideful with the things of God. Even if we sing the same songs, let us worship God with the same songs. I mean, know that God loves the same old songs. You know, he loves new songs. He loves old songs. And, and, and I, I think that we get it. We get we don't get the most out of our services because of pride. We're familiar with it. Oh, around this time, they're about to take up communion. Around this time, they're about to preach. Around this time, they send the Nicene Creed. Around this time, they're taking off of, of the offering. So let's give you some definitions. Pride. This is the definition of pride. Pride is an over high opinion of oneself. It's an exaggerated self-existence or self-esteem. Excuse me. Excuse me. Exaggerated self-esteem. It's conceit. It's high. It's lofty. Estimation. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a high estimation of oneself. Pride again is an over high opinion of oneself. Exaggerated self-esteem. Conceit. High and lofty estimation of oneself. When we talk about pride, we th sometimes people think that we in. They're in a place that they're not. Humility. Humility is a state of quality of being humble, low or lowly of heart, lowliness of mind. Humility, the place of entire dependence upon God. From the very nature of things, the first duty and the highest virtue of man, humility is. Humility is the root of all virtue. It is the root of all, because it alone assumes the right, right attitude before God and allows him to, allows him as God to do all. Um, my wife and I attended a a marriage or a couple's gathering on Friday, and the question came up was, "How often do you all fight?" And, and so I responded, I said, well, define fight. What is the fight? And so my wife says, well, it depends on what your definition of fight is, but we never fight. And people were like, are you crazy? Like, y'all must have just got married. And I said, it depends on your definition. Now, if you're talking about conflict and disagreements, we disagree all the time, daily. But does that mean that we're fighting? When I think about fighting, I think about in your face, using profanity, shutting the door, slamming, 
that's to me is fighting. And so I think that if you're just talking about disagreements, we disagree all the time. But if you're talking about that type of fighting, we never do. I think we fought one time and was over food. <laughs> it was over food, actually twice. One was when we first got married, she wanted to have a vegan dinner. And I said, where's the beef? Where's the meat? And I slammed the door and went and got pizza at, um, um, what's, what's the green place? Um, Hess. You know, Hess got some good pizza. And so I, I the gas station. And um, I think they had Godfather's Pizza. And I went and got the Godfather. I said, the devil is a liar and we will have meat in this house. That's before what the health came out. And everybody's all excited about that. But so that was the first time. The second time is um, um, she was making spaghetti and she had the noodles by herself and the, and the, uh, and, and the meat and the sauce on by herself. And I said, well, that is how, and, and I don't want to offend anybody, but I said, that's how white folks do it. And black folks, they mix it all up. And so we fought over that and we called my grandmother and my grandmother said, yeah, he, he don't know what he's talking about when he was, she was, when she was talking to her and when she was talking to me, yeah, that girl, she making white spaghetti. <laughs> so she played the fence. <laughs> so that was the two fights, the two major fights that we had. And we were, we, I, we said, we exchanged some words that we later regretted. Um, so if, that, if that's what you define as fighting, that yeah, we've only done it twice. If it's disagreement, we do that daily. All right, so Satan, Satan is haughty. His very nature is one of pride. So think about the devil. The devil is very prideful. And whoever is full of pride, they're full of the devil. Let me say that again. Whoever is full of pride is full of the devil. And I'm not talking about the kind of pride of I'm proud to be an American. I'm not talking about that type of pride. I'm proud to be black. I'm proud to be white. I'm proud to be a part of this organization. I'm not talking about that type of pride. I'm talking about a, a, a high exaggerated um, image of yourself. Um, you think you are more than you are. That's what I'm talking about. So don't go around with somebody like, you know, hearing a song, I'm black and I'm proud. Is, that's not what we're not. I'm proud to be a Christian uh, or I'm proud of you. No, we're not talking about that. Yeah, everybody understand that, right? Unfortunately, I have to clarify that because people say, well, we can't say I'm proud of you. So some people have religious made that religiously by saying, I'm godly proud of you. You know, let's just say you're proud of a person, right? It, it sounds good. <laughs> But it's really, there's nothing against those things to be proud of your child, of your spouse, or your relatives, and so forth. But Satan, Satan is haughty. His very nature is one of pride. When humanity fell from grace, we all inherited a fallen nature which is rooted in pride. When, when Adam fell from grace, the spirit of pride entered into humanity. You can look at your kids. You can look at, you can even say that the um, world became prideful. Animals are sometimes very prideful. And so the nature of Satan, we inherited through the fall. Another definition for pride is independence from God. When you worry, you're full of pride. Because you, you're trying to control something. You're trying to make something happen. We'll talk about that in a minute. How, how wonderful is the songs to go along with the sermon? Yeah. 
And we, we didn't even know that I was going to be preaching this, and I didn't know I was going to preach it. I'm, I'm preparing for children's church, and then I get a text, your PDF won't be there. Your PDF won't be there. Hey, what do you mean? All right. True humility is total dependence upon God. Now, not just saying that you're dependent upon God means that you're dependent upon God. You do understand that, right? We can say, I depend upon you, Father. I depend upon you. Okay, then the opportunity comes your way. You have a way in which you execute or walk out or live out or flesh out what you just declared in prayer. Many times you will pray something in your prayer closet and you'll have an opportunity to exercise your faith in what you prayed about the very next moment. So be careful what you pray for. You're praying to be a better giver. God will present to you opportunities for you to give. You're praying to um, walk in the love of God. God will give you opportunities with your spouse, with your child, with your animal, with your relatives or with your co-workers or your employers to walk in love. So be careful. Just don't pray those beautiful prayers and not expect opportunities to live them out. Pride is independence from God. Humility is total dependence upon God. Pride is a lie and humility is reality. Pride is a lie. It's not real. I'm going to show you this in a second. Obadiah. Let's go over to Obadiah. And there is no sin. There's no shame and going to the table of contents to find out where Obadiah is. Obadiah. And if the preacher can't find, no, sorry. <laughs> Obadiah. It's on page 862 in my Bible. Uh, Obadiah. Let's look at verse three. It's only one chapter. <laughs> we know you're not there. <laughs> Obadiah is only one chapter. So Obadiah. Three. <laughs> All right. It says the pride of your what heart has what deceived you, you who live in the cliffs of the rock in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? OK, so here Obadiah, the prophet Obadiah and Cleveland is actually going to be preaching through Obadiah in October. The pride Obadiah, the prophet Obadiah says, the pride of your heart has deceived you and you who dwell in the cliffs of the rock, whose habitation is high, you who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground. When a person is prideful, they are in deception. They're in, de in, in deception. They believe something about themselves that isn't true. They believe Something about themselves that isn't true. When we confess our sins to the Father and to Jesus, we are acknowledging something that is true about ourselves. Something that we did. So you say, Father, forgive me. I confess that I just told a lie. You acknowledge the truth of the matter. One, thing, one of the things at this marriage um, gathering on Friday they want us to tell something about our spouse, something that we admire. And so I said, my wife is a truth teller. 
She will tell you the truth, even if it hurts you. How many know that that's the see everybody and often people will um, brag on um, the oh, they're so lovely and they're they, they're full of love. But how many know love will tell you the truth? <laughs> Tony Braxton's love should have brought you home last night. <laughs> um, love will always tell you the truth. See, we like to magnify one aspect of God and over and another. Yes, he is love, but he's also a God of judgment. And he will call you on the carpet. You know, when you about to, when you're sinning, the spirit of God lets you know, hey, you're wrong. Your conscience is bothering you. And if it isn't, something is wrong. Amen. So God will not only love you back into restoration, he will tell you the truth about why you're wrong. I've had the Holy Spirit tell me many times, you're wrong. That's not God. That is not of me and so forth. If only time you hear from God is when you hear good stuff, then you may not be serving the God of the Bible. He's not always telling you, I'm madly in love with you. But he'll tell you, I'm madly upset with you right now. Just like a good parent. I'm disappointed in you. That which you displayed is not self-control. That's not from that human spirit that was recreated by the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Spirit of God will tell you the truth about yourself. Your attitude is wrong. Your heart is wrong. Your motives is wrong. Holy Spirit constantly checks me on my motives. Why are you doing this? What are you hoping to gain from this? How I many know we should be open to those convictions? We should not always want to hear, you are lovely. You're, you're, you're mighty woman of God, a mighty man of God. How I many know the Holy Spirit says, you're rotten. You need to get rid of those things. There's some stuff in you that isn't like me. Amen. Amen, Kennedy. You better preach. So when a person is in pride, they're in deception. On the other hand, humility is living in reality. People say, I'm the real. I mean, I'm a realist. Well, get humble and you'll be real because you recognize who you are and who you're not, what you have and what you don't have. In humility, you, you come to face to face with yourself and come to face to face with God. I need him. I don't have all wisdom. How many know in prayer you got to humble yourself? I recognize I can't control this situation, Father. I need your help. I need your grace. I need some victory <coughs> in this situation, over this situation. False humility is when people are prideful of their humility. I may have seen somebody, oh, no, it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. You know, <coughs> is it really all about Jesus? Oh, I pray that people don't see me. Hide me behind the cross. But people are going to see you. That's how they see Jesus. They see us in all our flaws, but they see the grace of God working through our flaws. So false humility is believing 
that you're humble when you're not. It also says when people don't accept the acknowledgments of praises they deserve, but internally they desire it. Oh, you're wonderful, girl. Oh, I'm not wonderful. No, 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 no. And it's how like, yeah, I am. I am. I'm wonderful. Keep on, keep on. Come on, talk to me. Oh, no, it's all God. You're, who knows somebody like that? Perhaps it's you. Don't raise your hands. <laughs> it's okay to acknowledge what God has given you. It's okay to be praised. We're not to worship each other, but we are to praise each other in the sense of speak well of you're doing a great job this morning, Angel. You led us into the presence of God, the pureness of your heart. Oh, no, no, it's it the Holy Spirit. No, thank you. I appreciate that. Is, is, you understand that there's nothing wrong with acknowledging those things. Thank you. We know it's the grace of God enabling you to do those things, but you yielded yourself to him. Thank you for your obedience. Some people, they oh, I'm just, you know, it's, it's all about Jesus. Yes, we know that. True humility does not belittle oneself. Philemon chapter, Philemon 6, it's only one chapter. <laughs> Philemon 6 says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Acknowledge the good things that are inside of you. Acknowledge the good stuff. Acknowledge the God-given things that he has given you. If he's given you a mind, hey, I'm bright. I'm smart. I mean, you know, I, I, I have a way of remembering things. God has blessed me with a great memory. That's not prideful. If God has truly blessed you with a great memory, you can let people know that. I'm graced in this area. I'm not graced in that area. It's, it's, it's acknowledging the things that God has given you in Christ Jesus. Humility is not a thing that will come on its own. It must be made the object of special desire, prayer, faith, and practice. You have to target humility. You have to work at it every single day. Am I being humble in this situation? Husbands and wives, when you're arguing and disagreeing, okay, am I humbling myself in this argument? Am I really hearing you out? Or do I want to just get my point across? Those are things you, you work at. Or whether it's a co-worker, or whether it's a family or friend, you have to humble yourself. Pride is something that we'll always have to deal with on this side of heaven. You'll never get delivered from pride. On this side of heaven, totally. I'm growing up, there's a church, the church that I was a part of, believed in deliverance, casting out devils. And they would sometimes cast out the spirit of pride. That's unbiblical. You, you can't cast out the spirit of pride. You got to work at this. It's easy to come down. Let me just lay hands in the name of Jesus, pride, go away. No, you got to deal with it every single day. It's not, when I talk about us having a spirit of pride, it's, it's rooted in our nature, our sinful nature, that is. And it's, you can't cast that out. The day that that is gone is the day you die. <laughs> so pride is something you have to declare war on over and over again. We can't just call an altar 
for you to come down and pray a deliverance of spirit of pride. And you're like, oh, I'm humble now. <laughs> it's not going to happen that way. I know that sounds too good to be true because it is too good to be true. All right. When you see others or when you see pride in others, you got to check yourself. You got to check yourself. It's easier to see pride in others and not in yourself. How many know what I'm talking about? You see a brother or sister. Oh, they're full of pride. Oh, they just they think they know. And, and, and it's easy to make that judgment call on them. But truly, it's, it's, we're the ones that are full of pride by seeing the pride in the other person. What makes us qualified to judge their pride and not ours? What it is, is we're seeing really what's in our own hearts. That's a hard saying, but it's true. When you see pride in others, you really see pride in yourself. <laughs> Everybody be like, I'm not going to say nobody's pride for now. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you, there's a little mini book in the back called In Him. You should get that and you should devour that little mini book. It's $2. It's $1.99 on Amazon, so we get a penny. It's called In Him by Kenneth E. Hagan. Little mini book. It's a blue, blue and white book. You should get it and you should study it. It will take you he, at the end. He lists all the scriptures that has in him or in whom or in Christ or a reference to it. And you should take your Bible and highlight all those things. because Those are things. Are, those, that's who you are in him. But. I'm not going to talk about in him realities this morning. I'm going to talk about in me realities. All right. So go to Galatians chapter six. Galatians chapter six. You got to say amen. Galatians chapter six. The first there's four in me realities that I want to share with you. The first one is in me. I am nothing. In me. I am nothing. So say this. Say this confession in me. I am nothing in Christ. I am somebody. Okay. Um, Galatians chapter six, verse three says this. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he what? He deceives himself. So the first in me reality is in me, I am nothing. The second in me reality is in me, I know nothing. Say in me, I know nothing. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Is this blessing you this morning? Declaring war on pride. First Corinthians chapter eight, verse two. First Corinthians chapter eight, verse two. It says, if anyone imagines that he knows something, but he does not yet know as he ought to know. OK, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God and so forth. So there is an element in which we think we know something or we are something. But in me, I know nothing on my own of my own. I don't know anything. And we'll find this out in a few seconds. Another first Corinthians chapter four. Say in me, 
I have nothing. First Corinthians chapter four, verse seven. First Corinthians chapter four, verse seven. It says, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? And then you received it. Why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So in me, I am nothing. In me, I know nothing. And in me, I have nothing. Whatever I know, whatever I have, I received it from somebody else. My name, I received from somebody else. My knowledge, I received from somebody else. I did not get this knowledge by myself. Somebody told me, somebody taught me, so I read it somewhere, I heard it someone. I just not get this knowledge on my own. All right? <laughs> so, so recognizing that in him. And the last one, it's in me, I can do nothing. Say, in me, in me. I can do nothing. James, John chapter 15, John chapter 15. John 15, let's go to verse five. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do what? You can do nothing. So in me, I can do nothing. Let me give you the four in, in me realities. In me, I am nothing. In me, I know nothing. In me, I have nothing. In me, I can do nothing. That's humility. When you recognize that in yourself, you are nothing outside of God. I'm going to give you some scriptures to tell you to what God says about pride. So go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 17. It says, there are six things that the Lord hates. How I many know if the Lord hates these things, we should really hate them too. All right. And then there are seven things that are an abomination to him. So there's six things he hates, but there are seven things that he really, really, really hates. Let's find out what, what he really, really hates. One is, verse 17, is a haughty eyes. King James says, a proud look. Haughty eyes, you know, uh, condescending eyes. Look at me. I'm somebody special. That, that, you ever seen somebody like that? Um, I did this once. Well, more than once. <laughs> I had a haughty eyes. Um, I was working at this job, and they was like, this customer came in. Oh, there's no way you'll get her to buy into that. Watch me. I convinced her, and I walked in like, put the little ticket down like, look, that was prideful. And the Spirit of God convicted me. You took credit for that. You, you boasted in that you were something, like you were Mr. Salesman. And in actuality, that was probably the only sale I made that day. <laughs> I was so prideful that I thought I was the top salesperson because I got the one they said I couldn't get. A haughty eyes. Another one is a lying tongue. Hand, and then hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And one who sows discord among Brothers, those are seven things in which the Lord hates. 
Go to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 3. Proverbs 8, verse 3. I'm oh, sorry, verse 13. Proverbs 8, verse 13 says this. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil, and perverted speech I hate. Notice that pride is in the midst of that. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, but it also means to hate pride and arrogance in evil ways. Go to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5. Everyone who's arrogant in heart is what? An abomination to the Lord. Notice it's just not the pride, but it's that person too. Everyone who is what? Arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. So the person themselves is an abomination to the Lord. Man, that's serious. Let's, um, let's continue. Um, it says, but assured he will not go unpunished. Now, for time's sake, just listen to these. You can write these down or you can try to follow along with me. Proverbs 21, verse 4. Proverbs 21, verse 4. It says, a haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. So this is what God thinks about pride. He really hates pride. He puts it up there with lying. He puts that up there with killing innocent blood. He also, um, the fear of the Lord is to hate pride. So part of being, um, walking in the reverence of the Lord is to hate pride. And every, Proverbs 16, verse 5, everyone who is proud in heart, that person is an abomination to the Lord. That means the Lord really hates them and hates that sin. I know people say God loves the sinner and hates the sin. Um, but that particular scripture, Proverbs 16, verse 5, says everyone proud in heart is an abomination. That means there is something that that, that person is, the Lord is despising them. He, 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 he's not taking delight in them because that pride has got that person to such a degree that the very being of that person is an abomination to the Lord. Now, if you're taking scriptures, you can write this down. The effects of pride. I'm going to go through here real fast. The effects of pride. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2 says, When pride comes, then comes shame, but the humble is wisdom. With the humble is wisdom. So when pride comes, then you can, you can be sure that there's going to be shame that's going to follow the pride. Shame will always follow pride. Proverbs 15, verse 25 says this, The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the wicked. So in other words, the Lord is going to destroy a prideful house. Proverbs 16, verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So what can you expect to be, um, if a person is prideful or has a haughty spirit, destruction and a fall. Destruction and a fall. There is destruction coming to the person that is full of pride and they eventually will fall. They eventually will fall. I remember one time I was um, teaching um, these troubled youth uh, in Oklahoma and my friend had got, had got sick and he couldn't make it. And I was very prideful. I said, um, I never get sick. And I, I didn't say it out of, of a heart of confession of faith. I said it out of a prideful heart. You know, the next day I got sick, sick as a dog. So it does matter how we say stuff and how we appear. You can't, uh, that's, that's, you know, I'll never, I, you know, be careful when people fall into sin, 
Don't get so prideful that you think you'll never do that. You just haven't met the right person yet or the right situation yet. Right. So it's not always the person. Oh, oh I, I, that's the worst. I can't believe those per, per, that person. Be careful of that. We're, we're to restore that person. We're to pray for that person, not judge them and, 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 and condemn them, but to love on them because you never know where you'll be. Um, Proverbs 29, verse 23 says, a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. So a person who's full of pride would eventually be brought low. Pride is not interested in others. It's always interested in their view. It's interested in making its views known. Pride is not a good listener, but it's constantly interrupting. Can you show genuine interest in others and what they're saying? Do you think about what you're going to say before the person is finished? Are you a good listener? Do you think your view is more important when communicating? Pride says it is. I have to get my view across. I have to. I want to persuade you to my view. And I condemn you if you, if you don't listen. Okay, one last scripture, I think. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Let's look at verse 7. <coughs> Luke 14, verses 7 through 11. It says, now he told a parable to those who, who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone might, someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. He who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to the lowest, to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and see, sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself he will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. OK, so. This is talking about always taking the lowest seat, take the low seat. Don't always be the one to always finish the last sentence. Don't always be the one to have a, a self-entitlement. And that's what Jesus is talking about. You, you know, come and serve me. You know, it's like going to being invited to the wedding and you go and sit at the groom's <laughs> table. And it's like, excuse me, uh, you're not supposed to sit there. You are not the groom. You're not part of the family. All right. That, that's what it's like. He says, in other words, you take the low seat. Let them call you forth. We should have that posture. Take the low seat. Let them come and get you. Let God exalt you. James chapter four. Another another way to look at this is don't always take if somebody says, you know, what, I want to bless you with some shoes. I'm going to take you shopping. 
and you go and pick the, the, the most expensive shoes. I've been blessed that way where it's a couple times where people says, come, I want to bless you with something. Pick out some shoes. So I'm thinking I'm going to get the cheapest shoes here. And so they tell me you can spend a little bit more because <laughs> I don't automatically want to assume that, that they're going to pay for the $200 shoes when they only budget for $100 shoes. Or you're at somebody's house. And, and not that if you've done this at my house, I'm not judging you. But let's say you got chicken and you want to take the biggest piece. <laughs> you know, you, you want to, no, hey, get some more, eat, eat up. You, you want to always take the low seat. Give space for grace to bring you up. Don't put, don't get ahead of yourself. Self-entitlement, resist the spirit of self-entitlement. Be invited and not excused. James chapter four, verses um, six through 10 talks about the great God resists the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. And I got one last passage before I let you go. First Peter, let's go to first Peter. Chapter five. First Peter chapter five, verses five through eight says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience and goes on. Your pride, you're in pride when you're worrying about a situation. What are you talking about? God commands us to cast our cares upon the Lord and leave them there. The enemy will use your anxieties to devour you. Remember, it, it talks about, he says, humble yourself in the, the sight of God. He exalts you. Cast all your anxieties upon him. So the things that you're worrying about, as Angel was leading us into worship, let us leave them there. Leave them at the throne of God. Don't pick them back up. This is how some people do. Lord, I give this to you. And they, they say that in prayer. And before they say in Jesus name, they're picking it back up. We're to leave him there, right? We're casting our cares upon the Lord, for he cares for us. I'm not going to worry about this situation. Some things you got to give to God and never pray about it, never think about it, and keep moving. Some things, and it, sometimes, usually it's dealing with people. You can't change that person. You can only be the Christian, that the model Christian that God calls you to be, and you got to give them to God and says, God, I wash my hands from that person. Not, not that you're not loving them, not that you're not there for them, but I'm not going to worry about them. I cast that person on the Lord, and I trust you, Lord, to get them, to save them, to fill them, to help them to serve you, and I'm going to go ahead and live 
my life. Because the devil will use worrying, anxiety to devour you. Your age, you'll get older quicker than you're supposed to. You'll get ulcers and sickness and disease because you are holding on to something that was supposed to be in the hands of God. Remember the scripture says, cast all your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you. And he says, and, 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 and because you got an enemy who's seeking, who's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's going to devour you by your anxieties. You got to leave those things in the hands of God. God, you know how much money I'm making. And God, I, I got this bill. I got this. Sometimes you just says, not sometimes, but you say, Lord, I trust you. I, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to sleep because you never sleep and never slumber. I'm not. I trust you all the way. I believe you. How do you trust God? You don't just trust him because you say you trust him. Um, but you got to articulate. Oh, Father, I've made you my refuge in whom I trust. Oh, for you are my fortress. You are my refuge place. And I find rest in you today. I find rest in the finished work of the cross. And I leave my problems there. And I trust you to take care of this situation. God, I thank you that it, you're working it out. According to Romans 8, you're, all things are working together for my good. Oh, God, I trust you. And, and as you think about it, when you get tempted to think about it, I trust you, Father. I trust you. You remind the problems that you, your trust is in God. Your, your trust is not in the problems or your ability to solve the problems. But your trust is in the living God. That's humility. That's declaring war on pride. Pride says, I can handle it. I got this. Humility says, God, you got it. I trust you enough to take care of it. Amen. The applications. How to walk in humility. The first thing is to pray for the grace of humility. So pray for the grace of humility. God, give me grace to be humble. The grace of humility. Second is to pray to see yourself like God sees you. God, help me to see me like you see me. And not only in Christ, not what you've declared me to be, but who I'm really, what am I, what's in me? Show me myself. Am I full of pride, Father? Am I like what these people are telling me that I'm like? Father, give me the strength to see myself like you see me. You know, God will tell you, if you're a liar, he'll let you know, hey, you're a liar. But there's grace because he's the God of a second chance. He'll, he'll, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to stay there, but you got to own up to, hey, I messed up. This is God. This is who I am and I need help. If you're an addict, if you got, you got an addiction problem to something, God, I confess it before you. I, I admit that that I'm a war. I, I worry about things too much. So, God, I confess it before you. And I see it as you see it. But I also see the other side of the token. The other side says I'm free from it. So I declare that I'm free from this thing. So pray to see yourself like God sees it. The third, <clears throat> willing to hear what you don't want to hear. Both in prayer and through other people. My wife is good at that. 
That was a horrible sermon. But there's hope. <laughs> Keep working at it. And guess what? There's times that we sit, you know, she made some baked ziti the other day. It's like, it was horrible. See, people, most people can't have that type of relationship with their spouse. I tell my wife, this is horrible. Well, you know, I did something different. That's the problem. You did something different to it. You're trying to make a healthy version of mac and cheese. Mac and cheese is not supposed to be healthy. <laughs> it's supposed to be bad and full of grease and full of calories. You know, so that's what you say. I think I'm not saying that we're not the model couple yet, <laughs> but but I think there should be a, a element of of honesty that you, you can say, hey, you know, I just don't like that dress. No, you're revealing too much. Oh, you're showing your your stomach too much. You look like you're pregnant. And and and, and being able to communicate and and say, hey, you know, look in the mirror. Yeah, she's right. So I need to work on the six pack. <laughs> you know, instead of the one pack. <laughs> How many know that, that that's good to have those type of relationship that, that you don't have to worry about? If I tell her that her food is horrible, she's not going to get upset and cry for three days over it. Or, or she tells me I'm overweight. I'm not going to get upset and, and like, let me find somebody who will like this big boy, you know, <laughs> or play some fat boys back in the day. You put the CD on. Fat boys are back. You know, you know, no, <laughs> you, you have to you have to hear what you don't want to hear. And when they provide constructive criticism, or even if it's negative criticism, is it true? Am I really doing that? Am I really that way? Father, help me to see that. And I can target those things. Hear what you don't want to hear. And, and, and this is more importantly, hear what you don't want to hear in prayer. Hear, be willing to hear the no. Be willing to hear the go. Be willing to hear what you don't want to hear in prayer. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. The next part is willing to do what you don't want to do. So you got to hear and you got to do what you don't want to do. Next one is clothe yourself with humility daily. Clothe yourself with humility. I'm going to give you an example of willing to do what you don't want to do. One of the things that... Um, I went to a specialist dealing with this asthma and, and allergies and stuff. Uh, and so they told me that I had a mild allergy to milk. I did not want to hear that because I eat, drink, eat dairy, not cereal, dairy daily, daily. You know, and I'm like, I didn't want to hear that I'm allergic to milk because milk is part of my makeup. <laughs> Don't don't tell me I'm allergic to ice cream. Ice cream is of God. It makes me happy. Right? It makes me happy. So don't tell me that I'm allergic to that. So I said, okay, got to do what I don't want to do. So I decided not to have ice cream yesterday. Today I'm going to have some because it's vanilla, you know, you know, vanilla ice cream day. So I got to celebrate in celebration. You know, there's a law, so I got to fulfill the law of the land. Um, the other thing that I that they told me, so that was all the food, right? So I was happy about that. Of course, Courtney was like, I don't think that's right. I think you're allergic to some other things, like meat and, <laughs> no, 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 I think she was hoping for that. <laughs> okay, the other thing they said, I, I had a severe, according to them, I have a severe allergy to uh, certain trees. So I was like, okay, I'm not gonna ever see that tree around. Hickory tree, I don't know what that is. And then the other thing is, 
They said, I'm, I'm, according to them, I am severely allergic to grass. And they didn't say one type of grass. It says all grass. I'm like, are you serious? Like, I wanted, because we were playing on picnic outside in my front yard. I said, I want to go on a picnic. I can't go on a picnic. I'm just telling you what it says, you know. <laughs> and so be willing to hear what you don't want to hear. I didn't want to hear. Now, part of me is like, good, I don't have to cut the grass ever again. <laughs> so when God heals me, when my healing manifests, Courtney's like, okay, stop, stop paying the guys and you get out there. <laughs> okay, so willing to hear what you don't want to hear, willing to do what you don't want to do. So I got to give up grass. Thank God I don't smoke weed, right? <laughs> See, there's a reason why. You just never know because you're going to have a real serious allergic reaction. Oh, the Lord made the herbs. And that, you know, can mess me up for life. I'm like, hi, what happened to the PD? <laughs> Smoking that weed. <laughs> okay. Next one is clothe yourself with humility daily. Clothe yourself with humility daily. How do you do that? You, you're constantly looking to walk out this way, to say, Lord, I thank you for grace. I thank you for the grace of humility. Help me to be humble what I say, what I think. The next one is resist pride daily. Resist pride daily. You'll have opportunity before the end of the service, before you leave here, to be prideful. So resist it. Last is don't think of yourself more than you really are. Don't think of yourself more than you really are. That doesn't mean not to think more of yourself, not to think of yourself, just don't think more of yourself. Don't think less of yourself and don't think more of yourself. Don't think less of yourself, don't think more of yourself. Think of yourself according to the grace that's given to you, Romans chapter 13. This is who I am. This is what God has given me, and I walk in that. Father, I thank you for this opportunity as we study about pride and declaring war on pride. I thank you for the grace of humility. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His word. God bless you.